Today is December 11th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chase Tokom Aki. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22nd, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chinookee Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Suchina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene and lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Quinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene meaning many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and creating and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper Blackfoot pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, I just share what I know as I walk down the red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those that cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. But also giving a review helps whichever medium you're listening from. And I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest pod, pod, podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I wanna give a shout out, uh, happy birthday to my late uncle Gord today. I missed your giggles and your references to Johnny Winter. Even my husband met you, so I'm grateful he got to hear your giggles and share in some of the things that you used to think were so important. So with that, I, um, I think the purpose of this particular podcast will be to attempt to discuss what has happened in the last, um, I guess, month. And But I want my guests to introduce themselves. Today, I have two very special guests that are the most important people in my life. And I'll start with Samantha. Would you like to introduce yourself? Okay. Um, Hi, um, my name is Samantha. Uh, I go by she, they pronouns, and um, I am Two-Spirit, obviously, um, and uh, I am also um, a Slavey Dene from up north, um, and I'm also a Canadian Métis, and um, yeah, uh, I was born here in Calgary, 
um, raised also here in Calgary. Um, and yeah, I'm glad. What's your spirit name? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, my spirit name is um, Nanam Skulkin Aki. I'm still trying to pronounce it, but I was given that name by um, Rose Croshu. Um, and uh, it means a thunderpipe necklace woman. Um, and uh, in, I was really honored to have get, be given that name. Um, and I'm still coming into it, kind of. It's very recent. Um, yeah, I think that's all. All right, awesome. Thanks, sweetie. Uh, Darcy, would you like to introduce yourself, your spirit name? Hello, I'm Darcy, um, obviously Michelle's husband and Samantha's father. And, and the producer of this podcast. Yes, the, the editor and producer of this podcast. Um, and uh, my spirit name is uh, Mr. Pas Mr. Pasquamastus Asinicino, which is Big Buffalo Rockman. Um, and I got that name quite a number of years ago now, I think five or six, maybe seven, something like that. Um, from an elder here in Calgary, uh, Daryl Brass. So the late Daryl Brass. The late Daryl Brass, yes. Yeah, just to honor him too. Well, so, so a little bit's happened since a month ago. Four weeks ago, we were having our very first weekend in Lethbridge without having to move back and forth. And our house was up for sale for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we thought we were going to have the best weekend ever. And we did. And then three weeks ago and two days ago, Darcy, what happened from your point of view? Well, it, it, that was a great weekend. We, uh, it was nice not to have to drive. And, you know, I took an extra day off because it was uh, long. So I could make it. It was right at Remembrance Day. I could make it a four-day weekend. It was great. And then um, the following Thursday, I went to work thinking everything was cool. I thought, oh, I'll get to work a little bit early and like, you know, get some stuff done. And, and I walked in and um, as soon as I walked in, I thought, well, there's a lot of people here for some reason. And uh, they were like, oh, come sit down with us. And um, yeah, basically it was just told uh, we can't keep you employed anymore. And uh, so here you go. You're, you're done effective immediately. And it, what it, <clears throat> it wasn't, um, an issue with my performance, my job, nothing like that. It was uh, just company issues that they uh, let's. I think they tried to grow too fast, too quick, and uh, or too big, too quick, and um, didn't quite have the financial strength to do so. And uh, there was me and three other people really affected by this. So that had all been kind of promoted or you know hired. Um, at least three other people, maybe four or five even, um, they were impacted by this and it all, they kind of all did it on one day. So it was, um, it was pretty gut-wrenching because the, the job itself, I loved, uh, the group. So at that point I enjoyed working there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was terrible. I was really proud to work there at t-shirts and, you know, stuff like that. I, and i yeah, I was just really happy. And uh, yeah, just, then it was just like a gut punch. It was like the everything was done. Um, the house was up for sale, so then we we're you know come home. We figure, well, I, 
I guess we'll sell the house and then I don't know what, we're kind of nomads from there. Maybe we'll move, maybe we'll stay in Lethbridge and look for jobs. I don't know. But um, it just was not a good day. Uh, I don't actually remember what was what we said or did for most of the day. Like I remember being in the little apart, the little three bedroom place we had, but I, I, and I remember you sitting beside me and, you know, we're, we're talking, but I just, I honestly don't even remember what our conversations were about other than the obvious. Um, the whole day was just a blur. Um, there's a show that Sam and I like to watch on, on YouTube. And like, I honestly, I couldn't even, I, I don't even remember what happened. It was just a blur. Um, Cause their life basically just, I mean, we, we literally just finished moving for the last six months and now we're figuring out what to do. And then we get a call that the potential sale in the house fell through. So that was kind of a gut punch. I think in the end, I mean, that definitely ended up being a phenomenally great thing because uh, we're, you know, now we're back in Calgary and now we're, you know, bigger job market and we're back kind of in our own community. Um, but yeah, it was just, Three weeks ago, it was a very different outlook for, like, I just, I couldn't see any positive at the moment at that time. Honestly, just talking about it makes my stomach want to just puke all over again. Just talking yeah, about absolutely. it. But it, we have to talk about it. We cannot heal from it if we don't talk about it. Um, Samantha, do you have uh, any memories of that day that you want to talk about? Or, or what would you like to, I mean, here we were thinking we were going to have, like, this new start in this new place. And you just had a new room and you were just setting it up and you know what from your perspective what would you like to share well i just remember like waking up that day because like i wait i woke up at like noon um as i do uh and i just remember like coming out of my room and like we had like boxes everywhere because like we had gone from a three-story house like basement middle floor and upstairs and a garage to a basement suite which was big but you know um and like so we had like boxes like everywhere and i just remember coming out and like there was like a red swing line stapler on on the island as I sat down and then like you guys like told me and I was like I thought you were joking like I genuinely laughed and like I genuinely thought you were joking and I was like oh this is just some prank or whatever and you've just taken the day off but it wasn't and I kind of knew that because of the stapler but I was like kind of in denial but then and then like the whole day afterwards I'm like this is this is a prank right this isn't happening and then the next day it wasn't <laughs> so yeah uh so I think we should explain the red stapler um for anybody who's seen the movie office space uh you'll understand um now at my previous job in the oil patch before COVID when I got laid off from that job um but before that when I was working there when I got hired uh, I got a red swing line stapler and I started laughing because I watched office space and everybody in the office had them. Everybody thought they were really much more attractive than black ones and nobody got it. 
And the one thing I wish I regret that I couldn't have done at that company was they, they laid me off in a remote location so that I couldn't go to my office and get my stuff so that they would send it to me. So I never got to keep the stapler. And then the story is, is when, when I went to uh, interview for by this company and uh, when I went to interview for this company down in Lethbridge, um, it was kind of a joke. Like it, I, Oh, I mentioned something about a red swing line stapler. And I said, you know, one thing I regret is I couldn't take it home with me because you know, the guy in the movie is always about his swing line stapler. And so the first day at work, they said they handed me a red stapler swing line and we're like there. And no matter what happens, you can take it home. So like when they told me and gave me the news, I just walked over and I grabbed my stuff <laughs> and I was, I was like shoveling stuff into my backpack. And I was like, I was kind of muttering to myself and I was like, I am taking that stapler. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I just, so anyways, that's the story behind the stapler. Yeah, that was uh, the one of the worst days in my adult life that I can remember 100%. Just seeing the defeat when you walked in that door, I knew what had happened. And I couldn't believe it. I just immediately had that feeling of I'm going to be sick. And um, it's been, you know, three weeks and two days. And I, I don't know if I've really not had that feeling since actually. And, um, you know, and, and it was just instant um shock just instant for the first day i was so upset i actually started shaking like i was uh like i i had a shiver but i wasn't cold at all but my body was shaking just shaking mm -hmm. i couldn't believe how it had affected me um i was worried i was going to have a heart attack that day yeah. and uh, actually still worried i'm going to have a heart attack about the whole thing because it took us six months to move there and when we finally like knew we were going to be there, it, uh, you know, the whole, whole rug got pulled out from us. And um, the first day was just utter shock. But I think, I think after my, after our realtor called and said that the deal didn't go through, I, I knew that, you know, we had to, let him know immediately and, and take the house off the market. But I, I just still couldn't believe it. I still couldn't believe that was even an option. So I think we slept on it. And then the first thing we did Friday morning was make the decision. Uh, we're taking the house off the market and moving home. Yeah. And, uh, and we knew like, cause you had already hurt your, your arm and your knee. There was no way we could move again the way we had moved there and um and i felt so alone and desperate and scared that i uh i put out a post to let everybody know this this happened and um because by that time we had told my dad my my um family you had told your family and um i just didn't I just didn't know what we were going to do. And the whole purpose of this podcast is really to say thank you to every single person that donated, whether it was a dollar, five dollars. And I mean, some people donated a lot. And I just, I can't say thank you enough to all the people that did, because that was what 
was helped us be able to rent a moving truck and moving uh, movers to get them to get us back to Calgary. And, um, you know, it, it, uh, it happened really quick. We had got the truck for Wednesday, I think it was. And, yeah. um, you know, so we had basically you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was, was moving day. But here was the other catch was that we knew it was November, uh, late November, and we had to get the Harley back to Calgary. So we were looking at the weather and trying to determine because on Remembrance Day, we couldn't even go because the weather was bad. Oh, mm -hmm. this was the other fun thing. Um, Monday, we had our friend come stay with us, yeah. uh, like not in our house, but yeah. in, in Lethbridge. He was the first person to come, uh, well, other than my brother, one of my brothers. And my friend. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to come really visit us. And, um, and I think he was even kind of coming to say goodbye to us in a lot of ways. We had a great visit. We assumed things were going to go really good. Uh, but then my stupid man broke down again, and we had to uh, get the alternator repaired. And he oh, was in right. town. He was able to, uh, you know, get you to work and back or something. I can't mm -hmm. quite remember how that went down. And um, anyway, we just got vehicle out of the car um, repair shop. Another two thousand dollars in a freaking car repair, like. Because at 250, all of the vehicles start falling apart and you have to do all the, you know, vehicle maintenance and replacing of stuff. And it was just time for the alternator to go after almost dying on the stupid road a couple of weeks before with the battery going. Like, it's just been a nightmare. And so anyway, then you find out. And, you know, we were trying to eat those costs. We were trying to eat the rentals that were being done for the house and the car repairs that it was taking just to you know, finally make the transition, knowing that you'd be in a smaller town, you wouldn't have to drive as much, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, here we are, you know, huge visa bill um, with renos, with the car repair, no job now. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, like we were, we were in pretty dire straits. So um, on, on top of the donations, I kind of put out like, I need a job right now. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many Indigenous women work at Amazon and told me good things about working at Amazon. <laughs> so I was actually this close to putting my resume there. Uh, but I had a friend call and uh, tell me that uh, he had a job that I could, I could probably get, get him the resume. I don't think people quite understand. I have literally haven't updated my resume since before Samantha was born. And at that time... It was, so in 2007, this was before iPhones. This was before, um, you know, a lot of things. We didn't keep, uh, I don't even know if I had my um, computer file anywhere uh, that it was accessible to me anyway. So um, I had to make a resume from scratch. And when we had done our move, uh, we got here on Wednesday. Um, I think it was... You know, I started working on my resume and I sent it to my friend because he offered me a job first. And then he said, oh, I'll send it to this person. So I did. And before I knew it, that that got me a job. Thank God. But, um, you know, it, it was a really scary time because 
um, you know, you and I know there's a huge gap between unemployment actually coming in. And now here we are three weeks later and we realize there's a huge problem in the ROE, the, uh, what do you call it? The record of employment, of employment for those who are not listening from Canada, uh, you get a, a government issued certificate that, or not certificate. I gotta choose, choose my words better here. Uh, government um, piece of paper that tells how you were dismissed. You know, sometimes you're fired. Sometimes you're um, within your three month window that you can just terminate an, an employee. All of these different categories that Canada has for why are you let go? And um, of course, now we've found out that there was a huge problem with that. And if it wasn't for those donations that came in, like I, I don't know how we would have put food in the cupboards. But then I can't thank you all enough who made us dishes, literally made us food. We came home and there was this huge box on our doorstep with food in it. And it had cute little gifts. Um, I was just looking at a couple that are, are surrounding me right now, basically welcoming, welcoming us home. Um, Awuton Healing Lodge gave us some gift cards to help us with gas and with food. You know, like immediately we were surrounded by love by the Indigenous community, by folks who listen to this podcast. I, I couldn't believe it. And, I, you know, I couldn't believe somebody offered me a job already. Thank God. Um, I had I had people wanting to proofread my resume after I had already gotten my job. Mm. So, like, how, how do I say thank you enough to everyone? I don't know. But I know that... Um, it's so stressful moving once, let alone twice in a year. Um, and, and under the circumstances that we were under to move under these circumstances. And uh, so anyway, we told our landlord and uh, the text back we got right away were very, you know, they were, they weren't too interested in our plight. Um, <laughs> and um you know, it, and, and it was really interesting, other people's reaction, like, you know, you'd tell people, this is what I need, Can I need donations, and people would be like, you know, um, oh, I can't donate, is there another way I can help, yet yeah, you can promote the podcast in the hopes that maybe others will listen and others will donate, and, you know, so just lots of questions like that of how to help, and even to this day, um, I still get messages like, how are you doing, and like, I don't think people understand what trauma really is. I don't think they understand that they have no memory retention. How many times I've gone up and down the stairs and just can't remember nothing. Like I, I can't remember anything. So I, I literally have to tell myself to take my meds, um, all sorts of things. Like I, I can't, I can't focus on anything right now. And it's so interesting because I get like people, they don't understand that. And then when I got my job, you know, which I'm ridiculously grateful for. It's interesting the privilege people have because, you know, so many people were like, oh my goodness, I, I sure hope that you find it so re rewarding. And I'm like, I don't think you understand what a survival job is or the trauma that we're undergoing or like, there's just no reality of understanding of like what this is like to go through with, um, you know, it, it, the, the loss of the future 
the loss of a job, the loss of, you know, starting any roots in Lethbridge, like all of that was gone. Our friend, uh, Devin and Miranda, like they put you up for a month with the idea that we would be Actually, there. Almost that... full months. Sorry. Right? Right? Yeah. Like such good people, such yeah. good people. And, and, you know, we, we didn't even get a chance to like chill and hang out with them and do fun stuff. Like, you know, they were always like, Hey, come over for a hot tub. And I was like, I totally would love to, but I have a podcast or I have to run Calgary or this, you know, like there was, there was always something going on at that time in that it was taking us to move from Calgary to Lethbridge. And that's not even including the three month window. You know, when you first get your job that you're like, is this for real? Like, is this really happening? And trying to find a place in Lethbridge, like it was so stressful trying to just get there, let alone all of this ended like that. Well, and I, I think that for me, that's like it, we went into it with so much positivity. It was not just a, like we were, it was getting pretty desperate when I was looking for jobs before, um, you know, and I got a couple of offers. Like it was weird. Cause I got nothing for about three solid months. Um, I'm going to say, I probably put out a couple hundred resumes easy. And, uh, I got like three job offers in a week. So I thought, Holy crap, this is going good. But this job appealed to me and, and I, and I, you know, I heard, um, you said this and reminded me of this when we were going through this, but at the time it was, it was the higher paying job of all three. It was a totally different industry. It was the industry I wanted to be in. I wanted to, I really wanted to see what it was like to be in the cannabis industry, maybe, you know, get into it, get a foothold in there and, and get out of the oil patch and change industries. Right. And, uh, so there was all this expectation. And then, when I actually got it, like the, the interview was really good. Uh, when I went down for the interview, they were smoking, um, like steaks on the barbecue out back. They, they had like a ping pong table they had leather couches, big screen TV. So it was like, you know, we, they affectionately called it the mullet. It was business up front and party in the back and, you know, just everything about it seemed great. And they were um, expanding. They had all these different locations, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they had a bunch of stores. And so like, honestly, and then everything was great. I mean, the people that work in there were happy. Nobody was, there was no egos. There's no fighting. It just, it was a very, sometimes the job was stressful, but like, it was a very stress-free environment. Um, if you wanted to take a five minute break and go shoot some basketballs in the back, you could, um, you know, that kind of thing. It was very relaxed. So my, you know, when we went to Lethbridge and this new job and it looked like it was going to be great. And, and even coming to Lethbridge, there was a lot of positivity. Like we were, it was a change. It was new. It was, yeah, it was scary to move and it was tough, but it was like, but this is new and this could be a whole start of something. And then, you know, we were talking about buying a house down there and I was looking at getting a second vehicle already. Cause like just a beater to go back and forth to work from literally um, just in the wintertime. You know, there wasn't two wheels with, you know, with no heater. Um, and it was like, you're trying to start planning ahead. And I did a performance review. Everything was great. And we kept going on and we did uh, all these, you know, everything seemed phenomenally great. And so it was just really optimistic. I started even thinking ahead to like, geez, maybe this summer we could do this. And I started like 
you know, kind of researching it when I had time, like, well, what is there? What can, where could we stay? And then it's just to have all of that just like instantaneously crushed. And then, and then, and then it's like, okay, well, we've had all this positivity about being here, but now like, I don't, now we don't have, now I don't want to be here. And, um, and then to have to pack up and box everything up and get it ready to go in like four days. Um, we, we were low on, definitely didn't have the money to pay for movers. Um, it was just very scary. I didn't know how we were going to get out of there. I didn't know how we were going to get back here. I know it couldn't take another six months. It couldn't take another month. Um, you know, and of course it's Christmas now. And so now like there's a package that's showing up in Lethbridge sometime between now and the mid of January, you know, so there's all these little things with like, just the fact that we were so like, we were just starting to spread out and like, yes, this is going to be so much, so great. And Sam was happy. And, and then it just like done, like, no, you can't have that. Um, it was hard, but I think, I think uh, the biggest thing that I realized now looking back a little bit that actually I think helped a lot was just seeing the support from everybody that donated or sent comments or, you know, friends that were supportive. Um, I have a couple of friends, close friends that um, emotionally were very supportive, um, very needed. Um, But really that was like, we definitely should be coming back to Calgary. Like, it's clear where our community is not and where it is. And I'm not saying anything bad about other people that live at Lethbridge. It's just that we hadn't, we didn't even have time to really get roots in that community. So, but this community was like, get back here. Like we, we want you back here. So, and honestly, I like, yeah, I don't know how you thank people enough. I really don't. Yeah, no, we were in big yeah. trouble. Samantha, honey, I know um, dad kind of touched about how happy you were. Do you want to talk about what this has been like for you? Sure. Sure. I mean, um, it was like, like I was excited about it because like I had a bit of a bigger room and um, I was excited because like um, it like I was moving closer to like one of my best friends and because I like never get to see them. So I was really excited about that. And like I was excited to like kind of start new sort of but like have a bigger room and like get a new house and like if like we got a new house then like I could like help decorate it and all that I mean I guess I kind of get to do that now but like it's just a bit different because it's the same layout as before um but honestly like um I think the move and like everything that's happened has affected you two more than me somewhat because like um yep teenage years um you you guys get to see like the financial stuff and like you guys legitimately have to like worry about stuff like that and like because I don't really see it I'm just like not really thinking about it you know or like thinking about it but like I don't I don't know you know um (laughs) so I like I'm actually a lot happier moving down here because like um I like 
I had a lot of anxiety going to that house because just because of things, um, creepy crawlies, we'll say. And uh, like my room, like is really good for that, like in our in this house, um, and stuff. But I think I think it's just been. I see a lot of the positives because like I'm so glad we got to purge. So glad. Like we needed to get rid of so much stuff in our house. Like we had pathways in our house and we just had like everything everywhere kind of thing. Like we just weren't organized and we weren't utilizing the things that we loved and stuff like that. So like like my shelf, um I'm quite proud of this uh, shelf, but um, like now I get to see all of that and like I have places for all my little trinkets now and I know which, which stuff I want to keep, which stuff I don't. And I got a lot of like my little kid stuff out um, and like gave it away and stuff like that because like I'm not using it clearly. Oh, you know um, what? I never got a chance to tell you and dad something. Um, I'm on the Abigail Facebook group and unfortunately somebody's garage got broken into and a bunch of their stuff was stolen and I, I was kind of um, you know sad for them obviously but in inside I was thinking man we had garage sales we couldn't give our stuff away <laughs> and yeah. these poor folks had people break into their garage just to take their stuff and I'm like I know I don't have anything of value because even when I was trying to sell it people didn't want it so um, I thought I was thinking about that through this entire process, like stuff that's so valuable to me that nobody cares about whatsoever. Yeah, no, yeah. it's very, it was very interesting because like, um, like the garage sales and stuff, like it, it was just like, it, it was so amazing to see how much stuff we didn't need. And I'm not saying like we're hoarders or whatever, like it wasn't that bad, but like it was, it was like getting to the point where it's like, we need to clean up. And like all three of us were like, we need to clean up, but like none of us were kind of really willing to do it. So when we finally, like we had this like kick in the ass where it was like, um, where it was like just, get moving and get like organized so honestly and like I don't see how we would have done it any other way either so because like if we didn't have the threat of like you need to move everything into a small and like half the size of your house not even um then like we probably wouldn't have gotten rid of a lot of things um mm -hmm. and like so it's, I just kind of, like, look at it like that, where it's, like, this is really good for us, and I know it's sh pretty shitty right now, sorry, um, but, like, it's, but, like, I think in the long run, and I know, I think we all know this, but it's just, in the long run, it's gonna be a lot better for us, especially, because, like, like, we just have our things straight, like, well, yeah, my things aren't straight. Uh, Dad, I was wondering, um, do you remember, was it like three tons of stuff that we had gotten rid of? Yeah, I think just to the dump alone, um, 
mind you, we did have a lot of yard stuff that we had to get rid of, but um, I think it was pretty close to two tons or something. Yeah, in the end. Uh, yeah. Just uh, stuff that went to the dump. Yeah. Our, our uh, realtor was so excited to sell this place and he did this amazing job in so many ways. He is like the unspoken hero in all of this entirety, actually. He worked with us for months on trying to get our house sold and out. And I feel so awful that he never ended up getting our sale. Um, I, so I'd, I'd want anyone who is in the Calgary area to know Michael McCafferty is the realtor that we were working with and he went above and beyond he you know it, it wasn't just the um you know aesthetics he literally painted wall <laughs> uh, our, our wall to go down he pointed he painted around our trim um you know he's just and he was the one who gave us direction on uh what needed to be done first and and move forward uh he brought in the contractor that did our bathroom um, I have nothing but positive things to say about this realtor that never even ended up getting our sale. And I feel so awful. So if you know anyone who needs a realtor in Calgary, Michael McCafferty, and I, we need to write a really nice positive review on Google. I tried the other day. I couldn't even make it work. So I don't know what I'm going to do there, but that's where he said he wanted his um, positive review at. Um, and this is a guy that really helped us with Okay, what do we do first the floors the painting bathroom and and he was the one who really helped guided us through all of it and he went so above and beyond so i'm bringing him up for so many reasons another one was that once we emptied our house he did what, what was called staging where he brought in his own uh, furniture his own pictures and such and he made it look a million times better so it, it kind of gave us an opportunity to look at the house with a different set of eyes. And, um, you know, I, I was that helicopter mom who like dead bolted all of the uh, everything into the wall because I didn't want my daughter or any of her friends hurting themselves. So, you know, th these were things that we had to like undo. I have a 14 year old girl who everyone because of covid and we have to have these ids assumes that she has id Ugh, so i'm finally getting her alberta id whatever bigger picture here that we finally get to look at our house with a more adult set of eyes and set it up properly and stuff that we had downstairs that we didn't want little kids to be hurt with or or be bothered with like little rocks and such we could finally bring up and she's seen them for the first time sadly um you know these were things that we could redo our house now with a whole different set of eyes we're not there yet we just got like it seemed to take forever to get all of the drapes up on the windows you know it took what three days at least in order for us to get that done like it just it was so hard moving back here and um and then your back hurt we hurt your your back ended up getting hurt um you know, I don't think people understand the amount of stress and trauma this has caused us. And financially, like, obviously, we still haven't got Revenue Canada figuring out our stupid finances. So, you know, I, I, it's if I didn't have this job, I, I just don't even know how we'd make our bills for January at this point. So I just can't thank folks enough for, you know, the food, the love, the support mm -hmm. and the donations, obviously. Um, that was what helped us be able to get here and um, 
the one good day that there was, Darcy was able to ride his motorbike here and thank God, because now there's snow all over uh, Calgary, Lethbridge, the road there and back. Today we went to Lethbridge to do the final walkthrough with the landlord. And uh, of course we had all this, we all these weekends from the time that we lost our job to, to now, and you know the landlord obviously wasn't going to come and this was his their weekend that they would come and wind warning and wherever the uh range roads and township roads met the highway like just so much snow and the wind was blowing and semis were pulled over and i was just and and sadly the roads were great compared to other times i've seen them so remember that one weekend that I was supposed to have massage in Cairo and naturopath and um yeah of course it snowed and I, I so I still haven't gotten a massage or chiropractic adjustment for it feels like freaking ever now my body is definitely in 10 out of 10 trauma mode so I know um Monday I had a really bad headache and I can feel I have another one coming but it's the weather changes too so it's just so much stress. I can't even describe it. Well, and, and I think that's the hard thing is like, it's like, it's, it was stressful. Like the news was gut wrenching your whole, the whole plan for the rest. I mean, not even just the rest of the year, but the rest of the next five years is now changed. Um, but then it was the, okay, but we got to get back to Calgary. We got to get out of this place. We got to get jobs. So there's the speed of getting, yeah, speed of getting out of there. And then, yeah, and, and then when we get here, it's the unpacking. It's like, so now we're at this point where we still have a considerable amount of boxes. And it's like, well, I need this. I don't know where that is. What box is it in? I don't know. And so it's just like the, the whole chaos of it all. And you can't really focus on setting things up because you need to do a resume. You need to get a job. You need to get these things going. So that's going to take hours out of your day that you can't unbox. And then unfortunately I met with some ice that decided to have a fight and I lost and uh, my back got hurt for a few days. Um, yeah, no. and, you know, it's just, it was just things like that. And then of course, so I can't, like, I couldn't even twist. I couldn't anyways, it was, but it's still just chaos. And so the stress never really goes away because you're, yeah, you're here at home and for, brief moments like you can watch a movie and have you know and enjoy it and think, okay i'm feeling good but then it's like reality creeps back in and you look around and like everything's still in boxes and you know i gotta i gotta spend a few hours a day putting out resumes i gotta try to do this i gotta try and find ways to you know and uh it's just it's just chaos and i feel like the last like um well i know for the last seven months it's just been chaos um and so, yeah, like to thank everybody is, is, I just feel like it's not enough, but the one thing I will say is, is I'm, we're not vegans, uh, none of us, and we don't have any problem with people that are vegan, but I will say that the vegan lasagnas that have been, that people have, have brought over have been absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, I have been very impressed. So yeah, they were, they were really good. Like, yeah, they were really good. And that's a good, that's a good uh, recommendation because, you know, she doesn't like a lot of vegan stuff. No, I had vegan macaroni and cheese once and I, I did not like it. It was not my thing, but 
it was like the lasagnas were phenomenal honestly some of the best lasagnas i've ever had honestly yeah i know i wanted to make sure we said that um some of the food that came in the original box like i couldn't believe it, it had like little tiny brownies that are like i i i can't even go on like uh it even had an apple crumble in it um you know i had friends come over right away uh, we we have uh, we used to have a big fire pit during the move we sold it got rid of it and I put grass there blah 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 but now we have one of those little portable fire pits and now we can have fires at the full moons and um, for ceremonial reasons and such as well so you know I, I am excited that we at least have that right now um, but yeah right now such a scary time and you know my new job is is fabulous but you know i it's calgary transit this is the mm -hmm. best calgary transit i've ever had since 95 you know finally have a seat finally we're not packed in like freaking sardines and the stupid go oh my god the city is like oh my god we're gonna have to raise our taxes mama there's not enough ridership i'm like literally this is the first time i've ever had freaking seats you mother but anyway these are obviously folks of a different privilege that don't know what it's like to ride freaking transit so anyway transit of course you know if i'm uh, not leaving the house at 7 30 i'm not making it to work at nine um same thing for coming home 6 30 you get off at five you're you know 6 30. so i mean that that's a long day um you know so people are calling me and i if i can even call them back the same day there's just like this small window from like seven till nine that i can talk now and you know i the podcasts are going to be hard because all my guests are going to have to now be evenings and weekends and you and i know how hard it is to get a guest anyway let alone um on a very specific time so it, yeah, i i'm not even 100 percent sure where the, this podcast can go because uh like so for example um people were like oh my god but you do this and this and this and it's like yeah but that doesn't pay me nothing like mm -hmm. i do lots of work that i get zero dollars for and um you know i i told people like you think there would be a niche for anti-racism training diversity training oh. land acknowledgements but there actually isn't and um and the type of emails i get from folks where it's like you have to do four hours of labor for you know maybe 15 minutes sometimes like it's just incredible and then a lot of times they just don't even pay you so yeah i i just i i had tried for years to get people to understand like the importance of a review the importance of telling your friends and and such but i mean at the end of the day we're here and i have to work because there was no way we could make this uh you know something that actually brought in income uh despite how popular the actual podcast is for free we just couldn't make it an actual business that we could rely on it for for wage because there's there's just not a want not a desire and i mean i every day i call it out on on social media you know, settlers that are like, oh my God, I'm such a good ally. I wore an orange shirt one time, but I didn't have any idea what it meant for. And I was so shocked. Like, this is another thing over this last year. I mean, I was ready to go into counseling when we were finally settled into Lethbridge because of the gaslighting from settlers. Like, I mean, TRC told us in 2015, I mean, that's not all of the decades before that, all of the elders were telling everybody like, 
killing our babies in their in unmarked burial sites all around and um settlers are like fucking indians i can't believe they fucking say something like that <laughs> that can't be true and for so many years they gaslit us and now here it is you know we have over eight thousand burial sites that have been found now we know there's more and um you know canadians are pearl clutching actually worse they have the audacity to tell china oh my god you guys are committing genocide and you're the worst human rights violator no 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 they like i won't even acknowledge what's happening here to us and i mean well we're in way better position than a lot of other indigenous people and right today i'm sharing two people that i absolutely love to pieces sharing their story they are literally homeless and like it it's almost christmas by the time this airs it'll almost be christmas and i just like i i just think there's such a huge disconnect from canadians to indigenous and the reality despite all of the things we share all of the free information we give i was really pissed the other day because one of our um people that were was on my facebook page you know i was you know bitching about the what suit to win uh hereditary chiefs and canadians ignorance because you know here they are at gunpoint again for the third year in a row and canadians are like oh my god i'm gonna get ready for christmas <laughs> well these folks are literally watching their house being burned in front of them and um you know where we have such a disconnect. I had how many people being like, oh my God, I sure hope you have, you know, such a rewarding, fulfilling job. I'm like, what reality do we live in that you think that it's acceptable to say that to somebody, you know? Anyway, yeah, I was ready to go into counseling over the graves issues and the stupid Canadian um, gaslighting. And I, I just, if it's 2021 going into 22, you know, there's still just such a disconnect. I can't make a living um, doing, uh, you know, any type of diversity training. And in fact, I'd, Calgary police are doubling down and like, we're not racist. They literally have never instituted the calls to justice or now the 231 calls to justice, but the uh, calls to action, the justice component. And they're just like, oh, we're anti-racist. Yeah. You know? And, and honestly, like I'm back on the C train, right? And uh, the amount of indigenous people constantly being harassed by people in uniform, you know, like it, it's just, it's so infuriating. And again, there's like a huge disconnect from, you know, counselors, the, obviously the police to the, you know, regular citizens to the indigenous population. Like there's so many levels of I, don't, I just don't know if we'll ever have an understanding of each other in any capacity, frankly. So I, I'm grateful that the folks that listened to this podcast gave us donations this one time because this was the one time we needed it. Well, and I, you know, and it's, it's tough because I, you know, you have, you do have some Patreon members and I mean, that that helps i mean it really does cover a lot of the it covers the costs for the show um there's some internet hosting costs and things like that um but again it's you know you're talking about uh the disconnect and it's like but it's not the people listening to your show that are supporting you on patreon that can book room full of rooms full of people that for their corporation that can maybe start doing some learning about how to 
let's start the process of becoming less, you know, racist, bigoted, hate filled, whatever. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, but it's, so it's that it's, it's the disconnect from the, the part of society that doesn't even care. They're just, no, we're business as usual. And what's wrong with that? So it's, it's the people that care that are supporting on Patreon. But unfortunately, the, for the general part of Canada, they're just like, eh, if it's not talking about sports, beer, or Canadiana, like moose and hockey, like we're, we're just not going to pay for that. We're not going to advertise on that. We're not going to be part of that. Um, and it's the plague of, of every podcast that's not mainstream. That's not just either towing a line of some something, but um, so that's just the plague. And it, and it is unfortunate because there's this podcast is great. There's so many that just kind of die out because there's no support for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little support that does come comes from the community that always supports. And it, it's almost like, oh, like these same people always give. And some of the people on your Patreon even gave more. And it's like, yeah. You know, and those people you can't help but love. I mean, you, and you can't help but be grateful for. Yeah. But yeah, it's the like you need in order to make a living, you need to make it a business kind of thing, and yeah. it just it's just not there. So it, it's unfortunate because it would it would be great if if people valued this kind of content so much and other indigenous content. Right. Um, that it would that those content creators yourself and everybody could actually make a living doing it um i would love to see that you know i'd love to see companies advertise to smaller podcasts um want to advertise on them because they are a more focused audience yeah maybe it's not you know 100 million dollars like joe rogan but you know to a small podcaster you know 500 dollars a month is a huge thing um and so you know and that's just the unfortunate side of it um but yeah it's it's tough because you're all those things you're doing now kind of have to go on the back burner. all of it all of it i can't i can't even make liberal meetings now it sucks yeah but. like and then of course as time goes on like you're gonna be you know you had a long day at work you're tired do you want to jump on nine zoom calls now between here and midnight like it's after being on a computer all day yep yeah, and I and I I harbor a lot of resentment towards the individuals that were running that company that I left, um, for not even just what they did to me and my you know my plans, my hopes, my the the job that I really loved so much, but it's the impact that it had on you and your life. Like now you have to completely turn a one eighty and and change your life. Um, our realtor is not going to get that house sale. Um, the people, our landlords had, you know, despite their, what I, what I didn't like about our interactions with them, the truth is, is that they do have to advertise now. They have to come down, they have to do walkthroughs, things like that. And, and, you know, all of that, because these guys couldn't run a company and they just decided to hire a bunch of people when they knew they couldn't afford them. And, and, you know, the, the lie that they told for the entire time of, no, we're fine. Everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's great. Right up to like two days before I was let go. It's like, not everything's great. So, you know, it's just like, it's so unfortunate that so many lives had to be impacted. And, you know, it's, it, it is hard to simply ask for financial help. Oh, it was so hard to put out that tweet and then 
I'm so grateful for those who stepped up because I, I don't know what would have happened. And I don't even want to think about it because I'm already 10 out of 10 on stress level. Yeah. Although I think we both agreed today uh, felt a lot better because we finally are done with our uh, rental in Lethbridge. Yeah. So now we will have no reasons to ever go down there again, other than to see our friends like David, uh, De Devin and Miranda and such. And yeah. Samantha, honey, I can't tell you how many people keep asking, how are you doing? And uh, I was wondering if you wanted to tell people how this has affected you. Will. Um, well, it's, it's been like difficult, but more for the reason that like, I'm kind of more concerned about like you guys, you know what I mean? And I don't even mean this to sound cheesy, but like I am. Um, so like I personally am like doing fine. I feel a lot more comfortable now that I'm back in my room kind of thing. Um, because like this is my room and it always has been like it's in my house it's in you know because like this is the house i grew up in this is like my house right so like um i'm doing a lot better i mean i'll miss like my friend and like the chance for like maybe a bit of a bigger room but now i can organize my room better so that i can actually utilize more space and stuff like that so it seems bigger and like all that. So I'm personally doing like, okay. Um, but honestly, I'm more like concerned about like um, how you guys are doing. Cause like, it's hard to see your parents like in a situation like this, you know, it's hard. Because obviously I want you guys to be happy and stuff like that. So, yeah. You're so sweet, honey. That is sweet. Aw. <laughs> yeah, but a, a lot of people have been asking about you and I've been telling them because we were homeschooling prior, you were doing okay. And that afterwards, like now that we're back here, you know, you've been able to see one of your friends that you grew up with. Uh, were able to participate in a you say um event as well we actually yeah. I, and you know I, I wanted to ask you guys about about a few other things because like we're getting hampers for the first time this year uh for christmas from our community and um you know i never never thought we would be on the receiving end and i just have to say to my community the indigenous community like i'm so grateful for you i'm so grateful Honestly, I, I know we're going to have a Christmas. I know we're going to be okay. I know by January, um, you know, a lot of the EI stuff and at least one paycheck of mine will come through. So, you know, it's not like we're going to lose the house, but holy, what I thought last year at this time was stressful. Mm -hmm. Boy, I have no idea how much worse it was going to get, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's... It's funny because, of course, now you, you sit down and, and you do take a few minutes and like it's easy to look back on it now and, and see, you know, like understand that, that things happen for a reason. And as hard as this is, we'll get through it. We'll figure out a way. Um, right now, it's with community support and 
that is the way it's supposed to work. Um, you know, and then when it's, when we have the chance, we will give back. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's easy now to see like, Oh, you know, things work out the way they should. And, but it, it doesn't, you know, and I'm, I try to stay positive about that. Like, you know, there's a reason for this happening. Something better is coming or I was meant to learn something. Um, and, and I, and I understand that and I, I can see it, but it doesn't take away the fact that you're like, yeah, but I still got to find a way to pay a bill. I still gotta, like, I gotta, it's just all that stress of like living is just, it's just in there. And man, the anxiety, it comes in waves and it just, it's like overwhelming at times. And then at times it's like, no, I'm feeling pretty good. And then five minutes later, you can just be sitting somewhere just like staring at the floor and just, again, it's like you're right back to that utter disbelief moment. And that's the part for me that's been very difficult is just the ups and downs and the today was a good day because I didn't have so much bad anxiety that I couldn't even possibly think. So that's a good day. And then tomorrow is, you know, anxiety day. And and it's logically, I know this stuff. It's like, no, we're, we're doing okay. We're not, we're not losing the house yet. <laughs> um, and so you run through these things logically. Cause I'm trying to like, no, no, that's not true. That's not, but it's still like, I got the pit in my stomach. I've, and like you said, the memory, I can't seem to remember things. I can't seem to focus on things. Like somebody will tell me something and I'll just be like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm looking at you you're talking and then I'm like I but I didn't process anything you just said because I'm so focused in my head on oh shit but what about this so yeah. I think today was a big moment and I'm hoping that I start to feel like I can put it behind me just doing that final walkthrough handing the keys over and finishing up with kind of the living in Lethbridge phase um so I really hope I'm I'm I have a lot of hope that this helps me start to move past this because until now of course we still had that looming over so it's kind of like we're still pulled in those two places and i'm hoping now that i can feel like this is my home it's my only home and i don't have to pay for any other home um i'm hoping that it'll start to feel a little bit more optimistic and hopeful but yeah that's kind of where i sit right now is just heavy heavy amounts of anxiety with uh like a complete utter fear of like tomorrow um yeah i know it's a it's that awfulness where it's like um i hate that expression you know it it can't get much worse because it can always get worse and and it's like well what worse is tomorrow what worse is today right and it's just that constant like um not just anxiety but i mean we haven't even been eating properly because i can't how, how do you even eat sometimes, right? Um, so that, that's just where we're at right now. Where we, it, you just can't even force the food down. So no. it's been so hard um, trying to explain this. And and again, like we're one of how many families in Alberta going through yeah. job loss after job loss, EI problems after EI problems, and yeah. it's just constant. And, uh, you know, of course, everybody um, votes federally blue and provincially blue. So these are the folks that, you know, took uh, 10 years of dismantling the unions in Alberta. There's no <laughs> safeguards anymore. And um, 
and it feels really shitty and it and it, the other part has been um you know prior to this last job loss in the last three weeks like even then we were trying to unpack all of these lies that our boomer parents had told us mm -hmm. you know that you know a good hard days decent work means a good hard decent day and you can feel good and have a roof over your head and food in your belly it's like that's not the case anymore no like they've shown all the all the evidence is out there inflation has gone up substantially and never our wages and we're just at the point where it's like even in living in a modest home in modestly with like one vehicle taking public transit you can't afford shit no. like nothing you can't afford nothing here and you know in Lethbridge there wasn't even doctors I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe there was no doctors that I could even if I didn't have it, this is a crazy story that it's impossible to believe but once upon a time in a galaxy far far away we had a liberal candidate that was running in um but that time it wasn't Lethbridge there was like a, the writing just above it was called Fort McLeod and I got to know him and his crew and um his uh, girlfriend at the time was actually becoming a pharmacist and they were all from Lethbridge and who was the corner store pharmacist when we showed up in June but her yeah and thank god she was so amazing she was the one helping me with my narcan while I was down there so that I could give it to uh Sage Patrol or Bear Clan here in Calgary and uh you know, and, and she was the one who, you know, I was really excited Samantha would get to know and be able to talk to. Obviously it didn't work out that way. These are dreams and hopes now we have to mourn and move on. And when we have time to mourn, because we certainly don't right now, um, you know, that bigger picture of like, thank God I had her at least. And then on Alberta's website, they actually don't list if you're First Nation, you have this resource. I actually found that out um, from my friends, I thank God to my community online, that there's like uh, a network for Indigenous people nationally to get health care. Thank God for it, because it was the only thing that was helping me at that time. So I, I just, and now, so we submitted Sam's status, because she's non-status. So to me, all of the services that are available to me should be available to her, aren't, of course. Um, I want to give a shout out to my previous employer um, from Chaos because she, one, gave us the best realtor on the entire planet, but two, um, she was helping us with Blue Cross. So, like, when you lost your job, I mean, your tooth fell out last night. What the yep. hell? That thing. What the hell? I know. But only a piece of it. I mean, you don't need the whole tooth, right? Oh, my God. So, yeah, like, mystery teeth are falling out. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I don't have any stress issues. Right? Oh my God. I've so, lost, pulled the hair out. I might as well start losing teeth now and just completely look like a hillbilly from Alberta. Oh my God, it's funny. So I just, I just want to finish by saying thank you to all our listeners for your love, your support, your generosity to the Indigenous community for your ridiculous love, support, and generosity. I'm, I don't know how we got here, but I know it was because of you all. And I can't remember any of it. I can't remember names, but like literally we had hundreds give something 
And as a result, we're here. And I can't thank you enough. And I don't know the future of this podcast, but I do know it was because of all of you that I'm here at all. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I know my family really wanted to tell you how good your lasagnas were, your food was, like all the love and support, gas cards. It was amazing. Yeah. 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 So with that, I think I better wrap up here. Um, so let Samantha and then dad, if there's anything else you wanted to add, please don't hesitate. I want to go last. Why do I always have to go first? Okay, dad can go then. Thank you. Uh, well, I just want to reiterate a, just a huge thank you to everybody. Um, you know, even to people like our neighbors across, our Métis neighbors across from us who gave us a bunch of wild meat right before the last weekend before we went down the left, like the last weekend going back down to Lethbridge, they gave us a big bag of meat again. And so now it's back in our freezer up here. And, you know, it's things like that that are just invaluable. Um, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you all so much for food, for anything that, like, everything, honestly, just everything. Yep. Whether it was like, you know, offering help us with resumes, asking what Darcy does for work, which is supply chain management and procurement for those interested. Is anybody out there looking for a procurement guy? <laughs> anyway, so I just want to say thank you. And um, I, I'm really proud that of this podcast, thanks to my husband being, well, you know, pushing me to do it and then um, producing and editing it. Like this podcast has given solutions cultural safety training, cultural first aid, to create a safer space for Indigenous people, people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Um, Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca put together what is Indigenous cultural safety, why I should care about it. I said it in the first 100 episodes, but you know, it, the link is there. This information's out there. It's just a matter of people putting in effort to Google it. Um, their work, our cultural action tools, I've said over a hundred times in my podcast, please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight it and repeat it here. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized people face by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Um, racialequitytools.org, What is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins. Seriously, if you are a person of any type of like Indigenous, LGBTQ2+, anything, learn what internalized oppression is. Because I see it all the time. I had people, uh, Indigenous folks recently be like, I'm going to deplatform you. I'm like, how are you going to deplatform someone who has no platform? But whatever. Um, but that's internalized oppression. That's that self-hate that you inflict on each other when we don't have anybody caring for us frankly the opposite all we have is barriers and you know folks sicking the ndp or sucking the rcmp by the ndp on or the federal liberals on us as indigenous people and you know pretending like oh my god i'm so offended that a muslim woman got uh, a job loss when literally you know we don't have financial um opportunities or equality in any capacity in this country if i don't white code then i lose my job like it, it, it's so ridiculous i can't even so um 
we have so many barriers against us. If you are a marginalized person, please learn what internalized racism is. If you're a brown woman, um, you know, maybe learn a little bit about colonialism and how what happened to you there has affected you here and how why you're okay with oppressing indigenous people here. Like all of this oppressed um, dynamics is part of internalized racism and sexism and all of the things. So please learn about them. Anyway, do's and don'ts for bystander interventions. So what do you do when you see something racist? If you were to Google it, you will find this by American Friends Service Committee and many other resources now that are available. So if you're in Alberta and you see racism, there's an Asian community that's put together this text, 1587-507-3838, uh, and it's uh, acttoendracism.ca, and they give you all sorts of resources. Indigenous have been talking about these issues sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and in public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. You know, my husband and I were actually talking about how it, it is unfair to blame Jason Kenney for the um, deaths of people who had surgeries canceled because literally you're the people voting for them. You are the people that are like, oh my God, I so love Jason Kenney, even though he's cut everything federally and provincially, I'm still going to vote for him. And then when grandpa dies, everybody's like blaming him. Sorry, folks, you have to listen to politicians in their policies and platforms and maybe do a little bit of finger point. My, my uncle, one of my uncles says, for every finger pointing out, there's three pointing back. So as quick as you are to point out to, you know, Jason Kenney is such an awful person that my, um, this person died. Like this is longstanding stuff that you've just let happen. And it's not until it affects you personally that you're okay with it. But we are indigenous people have been living in genocide while you all comfortably get to, you know, worry about your taxes or maybe, you know, your pension from your union. We'd have never had that security. And now you're seeing it full, full tilt what happened to us anyway if they um, don't recognize yeah go ahead hon oh well i'm just gonna say this is gonna be like it's kind of harsh but like if you voted for jason kenny uh on it personally i believe that you are responsible for the murders that everyone blames for him because yeah. if you didn't vote him in he couldn't have done this shit so right. honestly i pulled you personally more accountable I like more yeah like I personally think that like you are much more to blame for everything that has happened well not okay not everything but like all of the people denied medical services because our hospitals and healthcare has become cut down so much and all this shit um you are personally to blame or like not personally but kind of personally to blame. Like if you blame Jason Kenny, but you vote for him, you are much more of a um, indecent human being. <laughs> well, I was gonna say um, that they're they're complicit, you know, and and they are you know in the weapon, frankly, because yeah, and a terrible human being. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that, honey. Um, and I think it's important people understand this is how you feel too. You know, if a politician doesn't recognize marginalized people in their budget with gender equity plus, they're cutting uh, violence prevention programs and services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, you just have a lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disability, know that your vote to that party directly impacts negatively marginalized people. And I'm going to say this uh, federally, Darcy, you were just telling me about um, it was the federal liberals that had voted against um, disability uh, income going up. You know, it, I don't know how people sleep at night voting against something like that, but whatever. Know that your vote to that party directly negative is directly negatively impacting marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendation recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention. Now we have 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry. You know, I, I say these reports because people get all upset that stuff is happening. Like there was this uh, family that was um, here in Calgary and uh, the report just came out about they lost a uh, family in a, to a drunk driver. But you know, the Calgary police have done a report and they, they're fine. And they even consulted with the um, Crown and, and they're quite happy with the results, even though they never charged anybody for drunk driving when it came to the loss of life. You know, you're, you're all okay with that. And if y'all listen to some of these reports that I just said, literally has the answers of solutions that benefit white people, that benefit black people, that benefit Muslim women, everybody. It literally benefits everybody. And people are like, wow, it just comes from those goddamn natives. So I don't want to fucking listen to them. And it's like, you, you, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot because the natives are like, hey, this is a problem. Here's a solution. And here's a report on that. Here, we'll make you a new report. Yeah, here's another report. At a certain point, these recommendations and solutions are there. And at a certain point, like, I don't know what it's going to take for average settler Canadian to be like, oh my God, I have a personal responsibility to learn about these reports, do something about it, hold my people accountable. But they don't. And they certainly don't vote for bitches like me who are like, I have solutions. Anyway, denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, health, economic institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. They don't understand colonialism, racism, and business for that matter. They should be doing way more and they're not. I was literally standing in a lineup and I heard two people behind me. Wow, I heard those wet suit twin chiefs actually kicked out those pipeline workers. Must be nice to have that kind of power. Like no concept of oppression dynamics. So if folks don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running for office, running a bloody business, anything public service should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs. A really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Unfortunately, there's books about it now. Lee Miracle has one, Bruce McIver has one. There's so many out there that are like, hey, guess what? Reconciliation's not working, guess why? And once again, it's 
in a book and Canadians are like, oh, wow, I think those playoffs are starting. You know, if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talk about today, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text on their website, uh, hopeforwellness.ca. I tried it once, it didn't work. So, and I tried to call them to tell them, and then that became its own thing. So I'm like, okay. Um, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can also call 844-413-6649. It's toll-free 24-7. Um, and again, if none of these numbers are working, there's usually a functioning 211 in uh, major cities. And you can also call 833-456-4566, Indigenous or non. Uh, there's a 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta at ssisa.ca. It, if you go to hashtag survivor driven, that's what they're trying to use. If you see or experience racism, again, uh, the Asian community put together acttoendracism.ca that you can text at 587-507-3838. Uh, the Trevor Project has lots of resources for LGBTQ2 plus and trans um, specifically and peer support, all of those things. So uh, go to the Treasure, Trevor Project for more information there. Uh, LGBTQ2 plus youth uh, support line 1-800-268-9688, sorry. You can also text at 647-694-4275. And of course, for old people like me, who's even used the kids help phone, 1-800-668-6868. And if you go to lifevoice.ca, there's tons of crisis supports there. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast. Speak freely without interruption, without tone place, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs. People who don't know anything about colonialism, you know, constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, our rights, microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, people who are gatekeepers and live off the status quo. And then now I'm one of those people that are really in trauma and I, I'm going to have to stop doing the work as my personal resources are depleted. Um, internal, external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I needed this podcast. I want to say thank you to my ancestors. Uncle Gordy, I know today's your birthday. Thinking about you. My granny, my mama, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is for her Austrian family and roots. Stepping up for uh, teaching me how to be a proud Calgarian is through her. I'm a second generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to my husband, Darcy, not just for being on my show today, but for producing and editing this show top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, he has supported me down my journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to Samantha, we are blessed that we get to learn from you daily. And we are really honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better, stronger person. And I hope one day my family will be proud that we tried to discuss these issues in this podcast. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. 
thank you to the previous donors for showing your support through this incredible um, run of podcasts that we had and uh, for this awful experience that we just had. I can't thank you enough. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you to those that cannot afford to give. You know, reviews help. Love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Um, I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. NativeCalgarian.com has the latest podcasts and pin posts. And I'll end with a side, a side eye to all those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin. Otherwise you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and supporting this show for over the years. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But for now, just know how much we needed you and appreciated the, those who actually listen, those who actually follow me for all of the support you gave. Thank you.